primary care knowledge-based antibiotic tips. Welcome back. In this episode, we talk to Dr. Anya Lever about antibiotics. We'll be finding out how we are doing with antibiotic prescribing in Greater Manchester, and she'll be giving us some tips on how to manage our prescribing. Yes, and she'll also talk through um, some of the statistics and resources that can improve our confidence in managing consultations with patients around antibiotics. Um, And she'll also talk us through um, what's changed with the Greater Manchester guidance recently in terms of antibiotic prescribing. Yeah, there's so many useful tips in the episode about managing that conversation and really, really good resources to use as well. Exactly. We hope you enjoy. Hi, everybody. My name is Anya Lira. The main day job is as a salaried GP, but I also do some work for the local CCG, Trafford CCG, as a clinical prescribing advisor um, for the medicines optimization team. And it's with that hat on that I've been going around delivering presentations on antibiotics and having already got a, a slideshow, thought I'd share it with these guys. Yay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> So um, we'll maybe just interrupt you a couple of times to ask a few questions, but yes, fire away. That'd be brilliant. Please do. So apologies to anyone listening. This is designed as a PowerPoint presentation. um, And so I can't show you the slides, but I'll do my best to keep it relevant. The talk is called Antibiotics, the Good, the Bad and the Ugly. And it was prepared in October, November 2019. So the guidance is relevant for that time. Knowing medicine, antibiotics in particular, it may well change again. Yeah. Um, So the main reason for preparing this talk was to talk about the significance of antimicrobial resistance. I think most of us know the good news that antibiotics save lives, adding 20 years to life expectancy. Pre-antibiotics, 40% of lives were lost due to infection. Yeah. um, The bad use is overuse and misuse is resulting in resistance. Yeah. And the ugly news is that by 2050, deaths due to antimicrobial resistance will exceed those due to cancer. That is frightening. It is really scary, really scary. That's quite a good headline. It is, yeah, that gets your interest, definitely. It does, it does. And that's also one to share with patients, by the way. A few top tips in this are lines, one-liners to share with your patients. Yes, that's pretty useful. Um, so antibiotic prescribing, why am I talking about it in the first place? Well, there are things called sustainability and transformation partnerships, and there are 42 of those in the country. And Greater Manchester is 41st out of these 42. And that's not actually good. That is like booby prize. Um, we are the highest or second highest prescribers of antibiotics in the country. So yeah, GMG has chosen antibiotic prescribing as a key work stream for this year. And they set up a working group to help identify and spread best prescribing practice i'm not on that working group Mm -hmm. but i've gone through done a lot of learning and tried to cut through and made this talk to deliver the the bottom line the useful bits um so who is prescribing what 74 percent of antibiotics come from general practice only 11 percent from hospitals seven percent outpatients five percent dentists three percent other community settings i am not looking at who's feeding their cows antibiotic laden food but (laughs) in the medical type sphere three quarters of antibiotic prescribing is coming from general practice okay um why should we do anything about this well 50 percent of antibiotic prescriptions are deemed unnecessary And I'm about to give you one of those little golden nuggets to share with your patients. Yeah. Um, antibiotic use affects your normal flora. And this results in allergy and obesity. Okay. So mm. it's not just resistance, but allergy and obesity. That's okay. on most yeah. people's agenda. Yeah. 
Um, high prescribers within your CCG drive antibiotic resistance in your area. So you might be really good, but if the practice next door is doing nonsense, that's going to affect your patients too. And interestingly, there's a paper from the um, BMJ from 2016, which supports good practice because it shows that low prescribing practices do not see higher complication rates. Mm. And as a jobbing GP, I've got this bit on red on the slides, um, but reducing antibiotic prescribing reduces your workload. So forget just being good and doing the right thing. Yeah. It gives you less work. That's really interesting. Yeah, those are good bits. Of I would advice. have thought it was the opposite. other way around. Yeah. yeah. Ah, well, I'll, sh- I'll share with you. But it's based on um, information from NICE and NHS England. And it looks at common things. So atitis media, sore throat, sinusitis. And these illnesses are lasting kind of four to 14 days in general and what it shows is a number needed to treat and basically for these illnesses which I said last between four and 14 days you need to treat 10 to 20 people so the numbers need to treat between 10 and 20 to reduce the duration of illness by less than one day wow so yeah it, it, it kind of that has then gone on to form GMG and NHS England guidance and they give guidance for sore throats acute otitis media sinusitis bottom line over 80% of all these conditions resolve on their own without antibiotics so they advise self-care yeah there's another golden nugget to share with your patients and acute sinusitis only two percent are complicated by bacterial infection right two percent 80 percent resolve in 14 days but it's not the length of time it's going on only two percent of bacteria involved Mm. right there was something that would have come into your email inbox in april from some people called espor that stands for English Surveillance Programme for Antimicrobial Utilisation and Resistance. If you're like me, you don't get around to reading half your, your emails. However, because I do have an interest, I did read this. And it shows what is happening on antibiotic prescribing in general. Mm-hmm. And the good news is mostly in this country and Europe, we are reducing our antibiotic prescribing, okay. particularly of coamoxiclav and also cephalosporins. Mm-hmm. However, the bad news now... Coamoxiclav, I don't know about you two, but when I went to med school and was a junior doctor, Coamoxiclav was the domestos of antibiotics. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is what worked when nothing else did. The scary news is resistance to Coamoxiclav is high. It's now 30% for Klebsiella and 45% for E. coli. So it's a lot of the really UTI, is that a UTI? For yeah. anything. Yeah, yeah. These are, yeah, like lots of UTIs, UTIs and yeah. chests, with the Klebsiella pneumonia. Yeah. Yeah. As I say, this to me was my go-to, you know, shouldn't really prescribe it. Great antibiotic, really works when nothing else does. Yeah. No longer because of resistance. Um, another interesting nugget to share with your patients. Mm. And this is again from the, the ESPOR report on antibiotic resistance. After a course of antibiotics, individuals approximately double their risk of carrying a resistant bug two months later. So when they're in with their sign, you say, doctor, I need some antibiotics. You know, in September, you say, well, if I give you this now, and I really shouldn't because only 2% are complicated by anti- um, bacteria. But in two months' time, when you potentially really need it for some other infection, these antibiotics won't work. Mm-hmm. So it's not like herd immunity with MMR. This is affecting you personally. Yeah. Um, and this, re- this resistance is thought to persist for about 12 months. So bottom line, if you have an antibiotic, you're more likely, you personally, are more likely to be carrying a resistant Mm. organism. Mm. Um, Other interesting facts, in the last five years, the number of bloodstream infections due to resistant bacteria has increased by 35% to more than 16,000 cases. 
Mm. Um, a gentle reminder, when should we actually use the broad spectrum? Yeah. So the Comox, Phasborne's Quinlanes, I don't know if you guys can think off the top of your head. Um, is Kefalex not the first line for um, pyelonephritis now? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, I don't know of any. Hmm. And Comox used to be second line for something. I've used it in something recently. Well, there was, it is definitely indicated in something. But I I'll, I'll stop putting you on the spot because that isn't very kind of me. And with antibiotic guidance, like so many things in, yeah. in medicine, the guidance changes, but the actual approved first line use of broad spectrum antibiotics in adults is second line for sinusitis. If they're one the 2% and you don't think it needs a moxil, it's second line for sinusitis. Mm. Facial cellulitis, not your little granny with a oh. bit of cellulitis in her that's left leg right, yeah. mm-hmm. facial cellulitis that's where i've used it yes yeah. it could well yeah. be and bites human and animal bites yes, yes. and also Not diverticulitis yes yeah also non-lactational mastitis now, I'm not talking about the breastfeeding mums who just need a bit of flu clock if they need anything at all, but non-lactational mastitis. But mm. I've seen about one case in the last five years of that. So you yeah. know what? It's the hen's teeth stuff. Mm. We shouldn't be using it. Cephalosporins, as you said, Lisa, absolutely right. Catheter-associated UTI with upper UTI symptoms, mm. uh, lower UTIs in pregnancy only when nitro or pivmacillin are not suitable and acute pyelonephritis. Mm. Um, and quinolones, I always say, for the boys' bits, um, yes. acute prostitution. Epididymitis. Yeah. In kids, the approved PETA indications, you know what? Comox, it's really only facial cellulitis or bites. Because if a child has an upper UTI or a community acquired pneumonia, you are probably sending them in. Yeah. So in kids, Comox should only be facial cellulitis, human or animal bites. Cephalosporins, it's acute pyelonephritis. Again, you tend to send those kids in. in. Mm. Um, And quinolones, no approved uses. Um, I mentioned earlier that the reassuring bit, this paper in the BMJ in 2016, it compared high and low prescribing antibiotics, um, prescribing practices. And what it showed is low prescribing practices don't see high complication rates. I don't know about you guys, but historically, or certainly when you're prescribing antibiotics, it's often thinking, I really don't want them to develop whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think I get that, that kind of natural fear of the yeah. getting worse. What if it gets worse? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're so used to safety netting as well. Absolutely. It's sort of part of your your thinking isn't it yeah absolutely and this is where this paper is really useful because it showed that serious complications are rare after urtes sore throats and otitis media with numbers needed treat of over four thousand oh, so i need to give antibiotics for four thousand patients yes to stop to stop one, one of, of them happening. getting a serious complication wow okay <laughs> Um, wow. yeah. yeah, it's quite reassuring, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and there's no association between the risk of mastoiditis, empyema, meningitis, or intracranial abscess. Touch wood, those are things I haven't seen, but you totally remember about from med school, yeah. a bit like rheumatic fever. Yeah, um, yeah so with your otitis medias, because I often think I worry, I worry about yeah, mastoiditis if, if they have like, a, you know, you're looking for that tenderness behind the yeah. ear. And if it's like, oh, I'm not sure, it's like, oh. So numbers need to treat of over 4,000. So that, to me, is quite reassuring. And as I say, this is a paper in BMJ, so it supports us. It, it, it just helps you give some reassurance to those patients yeah. that by not having, they're not going to come to more harm. Pneumonia is slightly different because it's got numbers needed to treat of um, 39 in the older patients, the over 65s, but over 100 and un- under 65. So we'll okay. pass on pneumonia, but I'm talking yeah. about like the upper. early type things. Yeah. yeah. Um, and high compared to low prescribing practice, if you take a standard practice with 7,000 patients, if they reduce their antibiotic prescribing by 10%, 
they will only see one additional pneumonia in a year and one additional peritonsillar abscess every 10 years. Mm. That's not scary when we're practicing defensive medicine. I'm not too worried about that. Yeah. I've got the evidence to support me for not prescribing. Yeah. Wow. Right. So solutions. I've told you how not great we're doing. Um, I haven't just come to tell us we're not doing very well. I've come with some ideas. As I say, job in GP, I get how do we keep up to date with everything. So to try and make your life easier, mm-hmm. I have summarized some of the latest learning and guidance. And what they suggest we should do is prioritize optimizing antibiotic prescribing, mm-hmm. particularly with the snot season uh, well upon us. Mm-hmm. Um, a whole team approach. You need to be consistent. It's not Dr. Bloggs wouldn't give me this or so I went to see Dr. Smith. There needs to be good medicine practiced by everyone yeah um make antibiotic guidance available to all and i have devised from i think when i first started for the ccg a couple years ago the greater manchester antibiotic guidance was 69 pages long (laughs) um but anyway i thought nobody's actually gonna read that so having in my role as an appraiser seen a very smart appraisee whose practice pharmacist had condensed this onto two sides a reference laminated chart i took the liberty of copying that idea and doing that for trafford so for the last three years we've had a two-page antibiotic guidance which has been distributed by email certainly to trafford practices and i'm sure if someone wanted to get in touch with the medicines optimization team at trafford Mm -hmm. you could ask for this or you guys i don't know if you can attach um, yeah, mm. we can maybe get a link if it was available via link. We can link to it, we will. If yeah. you can. But otherwise, yeah. the current G guidance is about 12 pages. And it is really good, but yeah. it's 12 pages you've got to click into as opposed to a laminated yeah. bit on your um, desk you can use. True. Um, they suggest identifying an antibiotic champion in your practice. Performing antibiotic audits is really important to monitor and benchmark to see if you are introducing any interventions that they're effective. Mm-hmm. They suggest developing an antibiotic action plan, which is consistent and sharing leaflets. And my favorite leaflets from having seen lots of leaflets on lots of things are the target leaflet, Mm. treating your infection UTI UTI leaflet and the when should I worry leaflet. Mm. Yes, I've seen the when worry one. When should I worry changed my practice. And lots of my appraisees and lots of doctors I've spoken to, it is fab. And I'll tell you more about that in a minute. Brilliant. Um, Target, have you guys heard of Target? I recognise it. Is it RC? No, it's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. RCGP, yeah. So TARGET stands for Treat Antibiotics Responsibly Guidance, Education and Tools. It is a toolkit to help clinicians to use antibiotics responsibly as well as meet CQC requirements. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, RCGPs, it's their primary initiative to support a reduction in antibiotic prescribing. 99% of CCGs promote its use. And ESPOR, those people who told us about the resistance to coamoxiclav and are watching what's happening in the country, say that CCGs need to be doing more to promote its use target produce free posters to display in the waiting room as well as videos for patients so to try and educate them yeah um interesting as well i don't know if you've seen the latest antibiotic um adverts on telly with the little white and red capsules yeah Mm, yeah the government is trying to do its bit to educate patients um Mm. so it's not all about us being the bad guys the government is trying to support us i think since 2017 it's been doing stuff with adverts in the greater manchester region because we've historically not been so good um moving on from target and we talk about patient demand. I don't know about you, but when a mum brings her snotty child in and the child proceeds to trash my room, I'm thinking, why has she brought that child? I kind of assume she wants antibiotics because she can wipe his own snot. She could give him cowpole. Yeah. And he's clearly well because he's trashing my room. But 
that is often a doctor's misconception. Yeah. Most yeah. patients are coming or bring their kids in because almost half of them, they're just after a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. You have a viral upper respiratory tract infection. You've got a bit of gastroenteritis. They want a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, they also want relief of symptoms and pain relief. Yeah. Um, okay. 13% just want a bit of reassurance. The figures suggest up to 39% want antibiotics, but yeah. I'm often thinking they bothered bringing them in the first place. These are yeah. educated people with yeah. well kids. Yeah. We are overestimating it. We do get a lot of people, the sort of phrases to check his chest. Yes. Yeah, I yeah. just wanted to check, to his, check chest. his chest. I think yeah. they're worried about lower respiratory tract infections. And we've got to listen to that. Yeah. Um, and that's where the when should I worry um, leaflet is particularly yeah. useful. Yeah. Um, I talked about the target leaflet. So I said they've produced um, posters and videos for the waiting room. There is also a leaflet you can give your patients and you can get it by just Googling um, the target respiratory tract infection leaflet. These are freely available online. Um, Some CCGs give out pads of them. I've seen them as a pad form. You can just tear them off. um, Absolutely right. In my old practice. Absolutely right. And they are, instead of giving them a prescription on the way out, you you go through it and you say, okay, I'm going to give you this leaflet and you fill in their name so you can write Joe Bloggs at the top. And then it has a usually last section. I mentioned earlier the nice guidance suggesting that um, middle ear infections often last four days, sore throat seven days, common cold 10 days, sinusitis. 18 days cough or bronchiectasis 21 days sorry bronchitis 21 days so it gives them a guidance when they're saying oh johnny's been coughing for five days you can say oh that's interesting but often this goes on three weeks Mm. it also has a great safety netting cover Mm. backs we said we're worried about you know missing things or patients progressing yeah said mastoiditis it tells you you know when how to safety net it gives advice on backup prescriptions as well as giving information about antibiotics resistance it's lovely isn't it it's really useful and patients lap it up and almost having something to give them is quite helpful yeah. as well as covering your back with a safety netting it's true if you have this in your surgery i feel like you'd be so much more prepared to mm. treat people conservatively yeah and, and it's quick you, to it reassures use. the doctor or yeah. the the clinician yeah and it's not just you saying something they've got yeah. it black and yeah, white written down exactly yeah um Backup prescriptions it talks about. Do either of you guys, do you like using delayed prescription for antibiotics? Yeah, yeah this year I've done that a lot more um, because I, I remember going to some talk that said that people actually don't tend to use them a lot. Yeah. Um, but it makes me feel better that I'm giving them something that they okay. could maybe use if things get worse. Yeah, um, do you a, use them much? Yeah, sort of clinician anxiety, I think, is uh, sort of for me probably a big factor in in prescribing antibiotics yeah. I, I worry that somebody's going to get ill or their numbers look okay right now but like that snapshot of a child or a absolutely somebody, yeah absolutely so that backup prescription helps me yeah <laughs> but this is interesting now it is interesting because yeah. we've said you know you need it's to treat 4,000 to yeah. save one yeah, yeah that's number needed to treat is mm. so good and the sort of rates of complications I think are, it's so useful to know that when it you're, is when you're it having that. empowers you yeah. yeah to and helps your confidence if you're using delayed um delayed prescribing now personally i don't like to use this and this is because i reckon if i give it to them they go straight in so and cash it next door but there are ways to ensure if you are using a delayed antibiotic prescription that it's what's called the six r's so the first r reassurance you really don't need this antibiotic now and this is why yeah reasons not to use antibiotics the side effects so we said allergy obesity antimicrobial resistance relief offer them something else, paracetamol, ibuprofen if they're safe to take it. 
the realistic natural history. You've been coughing five days, but you know what? Most coughs last 21 days, so hey ho. And giving antibiotics would possibly make you better less than a day quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, reinforce a key message only use the delayed antibiotic prescription if you're getting worse or not even starting to settle. Yeah. Um, and the rescue, the, the safety netting, which was done on that target leaflet quite nicely. I mentioned the two page antibiotic guidance and. Mm-hmm we've got common conditions written down i've written things on it like acute sinusitis i've written so it's in black and white that mainly viral only two percent complicated by bacterial infection you can show your patients this yeah. if we're talking about sore throats it talks about the fever pain score yes um, that's really about good. you guys i can't I remember what it is emus doesn't have a template for it no. but here it tells you it's great to google because when you go to the website and use it there's a bit to put in um so you can click all the bits and and then copy and paste yeah it's quite handy it is very handy plus we've also put on there you know the common conditions if you're using antibiotics which ones to use what dose and for how long um the main changes for uncomplicated UTIs, cephalexin has been removed as the second line treatment Mm -hmm. so it's nitrofurantoin first it's um, second line is pifmacillinum. It's no longer cephalexin. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's really hard to get hold of that though. Um, it was. You're it absolutely not? right. It's sorted now, and I'll tell you in a minute about pifmacillinum. Um, yeah. Other changes you mentioned: the cephalexin, clav They've swapped places for first and second line for acute pyelonephritis. Chlamydia. This is really scary. You no longer give a stat dose of azithro for your patients with chlamydia. Yeah. I know, so annoying. I, yeah. Have you I heard, heard this, this one? Yeah, which is frustrating. Yeah, you meant to use Doxy, first line, BD for seven days. Mm. Why um, have they changed that? Is it? I think it resistance and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can use Azithro if they're allergic, pregnant, breastfeeding, or intolerant of the Doxy. However, it's not a stat dose again. Yeah. It's a one gram stat dose, then 500 milligrams a day for two days which, as I say, really annoying. I'm not expecting everyone to remember this, but if you look on the two-page guidance, just remember, oh, she said something about chlamydia's change. Go and look it up. It's easily accessible. Um, Bacterial vaginosis. Um, Historically, Mm -hmm. I've given them a big dose of metronidazole, but nobody likes taking metronidazole. It gives you the runs and you can't have a drink with it. There is something called dequilinium and you can use a little pettery for six days. That is, again, on the two-page guidance. Just have a look. You won't remember everything. COPD exacerbations Um, the guidance has changed we've all I think historically given rescue packs with antibiotics and predin Um, they're now suggesting definitely put the predin 30 or 40 milligrams for 5 to 7 days if their exacerbation is interfering with their activities of daily living but now you only consider antibiotics if there's a change in sputum colour to dark yellow or green occurring with an accompanying increased quantity or thickness of sputum okay um sinusitis 80 yeah. percent resolve within 14 days only two percent bacterial have you guys ever tried the high dose nasonex for this no but i have seen i've been on the g triple ng guidance recently and i yes. saw that it said the mometasone yes. underneath yeah. yeah so i learned this on a hot topics course a couple of years ago and it seems to work or at least the patients aren't come back to me or my colleagues and i'm hoping they're getting better and <laughs> um, you can use high dose nasal steroid um so mometasone 200 microgram nasal spray twice daily for 14 days but it's four puffs to each nostril so it is off license but it's going up your nose and it's only for 14 days because the mimetazone we prescribe before is is that 50 yeah yeah Yeah. and that's why it's a massive massive dose dose, yeah and it is off license but you know what you're sticking a little bit of steroid up your nose and it's not anyway it's not going to cause systemic side effects Mm -hmm. um makes sense 
imp tiger if you're interested you don't treat for seven days you just do five days with fusidic acid or fusidin nowadays but i think they probably all only did that anyway <laughs> um talked about audit ideas when should i worry have you guys heard of when should i worry yeah i think i did recognize it yeah the mm-hmm. leaflets yes. yeah 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 oh Down this has changed my practice more than anything else in the last 10 years I mentioned, or I may have mentioned, I'm an appraiser. One of my appraisees introduced me to this. And since then, I have introduced most of my appraisees, most of Trafford, any GP I come across. When Should I Worry is a brilliant leaflet. It um, was based on a study done in the BMJ in 2009. It is available online. You literally just Google When Should I Worry, and it comes in all sorts of different languages. Um, It was based on a randomized controlled trial done in primary care. There were 61 practices in England and Wales with almost 600 children aged between six months and 14 years with acute respiratory tract infections lasting less than seven days now they excluded the proper sickies so it wasn't your pneumonias your bad asthmas or kids with you know um, polymorbidities um, or those needing admission and they had really good um, follow-up with this so as i said almost 600 kids three withdrew 27 lost to follow-up and this was a primary care-based study Mm. and the bottom line they found that using this when should i worry leaflet as an interactive booklet during the consultations, not given on the way out, not sitting in in the waiting room Mm -hmm. um, for the patients to help themselves, but using it during the consultation um, against just doing your standard practice, they showed a 50% reduction in antibiotic prescribing Mm -hmm. and a 70% reduction in future reconsultations. You know, earlier I said, yeah, Yeah. it's saving you work going on. So you guys mentioned you're perhaps worried about, you know, it takes too much time to educate your patients. It really doesn't because it's saving you time. Um, And this was associated with no reduction satisfaction with care. Mm. Um, Having a few years ago, I said Trafford is one of the the lowest prescribers of all antibiotics. And that's partially because of some work we did a couple of years ago. And we went out and we were delivering training on the use of when should I worry to practices. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned there the 50% reduction in antibiotic prescribings that the original um, study found. We found this was repeated. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my appraisees who used to be a high antibiotic prescriber, I was appraising him up in North Manchester and I introduced him one year because he he didn't have any idea what to do about subscribing didn't see it's an issue went back the following year there's online training with when should i worry it takes less than half an hour you can sit on your iphone in bed and do it best training you will do um when i went back the next year he said this is amazing um, my medical students translated it into urdu and he had reduced his antibiotic prescribing by 40 percent year on year Wow. Um, so that's when should I worry as I say another take home point go and do the learning if you haven't done it and start using it it will change how yeah. you practice is it easy to find totally yeah. you literally yeah. just google when should I worry and they used to the RCGP used to publish the leaflets this is a slight problem they've stopped publishing the leaflets now yeah. so what you do is you print off a colour one for yourself um, it needs to be coloured you've got little smiley faces and stuff and you write on it I've got Dr Lever's master copy at work and I, I show everyone this and then mm. I say right you need to go and done this at home but as i say the online learning it's just 30 minutes or less it literally talks to you about how to use the booklet you find out you know what do you most worry about as a parent so you um mentioned earlier sarah you said that you know they'll come and say i just want his chest checked Mm -hmm. and i'll sit and i'll talk in there and say oh young kids often have rattly chest because they've got smaller airways than your eye and the patients are you know really worried my child's got green snot well so what we used to think maybe that was associated with bacteria but that's no indication but it's a lovely lovely leaflet Mm. um 
Broad spectrum antibiotics, another idea stolen with permission from an appraisee. This appraisee was up north in Bury or Bolton. Apologies, my ignorance and geography. You can tell I'm from another B1 bath. Um, but somewhere north of the city and he had introduced in his prescribing they did an audit looking at their broad spectrum antibiotic prescribing and what they did is they sat as a practice somebody went through so every time there's a prescription for comoxclav or cephalosporin or whatever they wrote down was it appropriate was it in line with deuteroplan g and they looked at it and they discussed it as a group and then they reflected on the results and they repeated the audit cycle and when they did this they found um, they were recording a 30 percent reduction in their prescribing broad spectrum antibiotics just by being aware of what they were doing mm. and by discussing it. Oh, you know what? They, they didn't need Comox Clef for, for that. Yeah. And it helps learning. Mm. Other quick wins to help with antibiotic prescribing. I don't know about you guys. Acne. They get mm-hmm. started on limacycline. Yeah. On, yeah. <laughs> on it forever. Mm-hmm. Actually, they shouldn't be. We should review their oral antibiotic prescribing after three months and stop. Even refer them at six months if things are not better otherwise stop it they might need another course in the future but they shouldn't be on it for years our practice pharmacist kindly did an audit and we got shed loads of youngsters off um off their antibiotics recurrent utis yeah again lots of patients for years yeah Yeah. Yeah. often started by urologists actually they should be reviewed after six months and a lovely again top tip to that i got from a consultant urologist you explain to the patient the antibiotic has been given in this way to you for six months to allow your bladder to heal because kind of logically you sit and think oh i've got low dose going about that keeps the the bugs away but actually no we've given you six months of an antibiotic to allow your bladder to heal after that if they get any new infections afterwards we should send an msu not automatically give them some more antibiotics or perhaps give them the antibiotics but sending an msu confirm is this actually uti or is it just a bit you know dryness down below and they need a bit of topical estrogen Mm -hmm. but watch out for those patients otherwise on antibiotics forever We have, or one of our, our brilliant um, pharmacists at Trafford, a chap called Absar Bajwa, has come up with a leaflet on how to treat uncomplicated UTIs. And this is really helpful, especially in the older people. We're now doing work in nursing homes on, they sh- mustn't just be dipping urine at the nursing home and mm. finding, oh, some leukocytes. Yeah. They shouldn't have dipped in the first place. But there are good leaflets around to guide you on how to treat. We mentioned pivmicillinum. Um, yes. Yeah, as you mentioned earlier, Lisa, there was a problem with availability. It is now available. The way you take it, a bit like doxy, you take a big stat dose first of all. So you take 400 milligrams stat, then 200 milligrams TDS, and you prescribe them 10 tablets. So it's quite simple. And once you've typed it into it your computer remember. a few times, it'll remember it. Mm. Um, and I only learned this the other day. You take it with at least half a glass of water. Apparently, there's a risk of esophageal ulceration. Oh. You know, sit up, have a big drink with it common side effects like all antibiotics between one and ten percent will develop diarrhea nausea vulvovaginal mycotic infections a bit thrush yes um, it can be taken with or without food so it's really easy to take clinical considerations you don't need to worry unlike things like nitro when they've got reduced egfr yeah. doesn't matter what their kidneys or liver are doing you don't need to dose adjust the dose it's fine in pregnancy and breastfeeding mm. penicillin allergy pivmicillinum they're going to both cause problems so avoid mm-hmm. if they're penicillin allergic 
avoid with valparate and it's not licensed for use in the under 18s yeah. but yeah a quick a quick reminder of, of what to do with That's that useful. fabulous yeah thank you and yeah. brilliantly our labs locally have started reporting on pifmicillinum um, sensitivity yeah that's useful um, as opposed to resistance whereas until now it's always just been cephalexin so you know what no wonder we're prescribing loads but we shouldn't and we've got evidence shows what to do i mentioned useful leaflets the target leaflet those guys have also produced one called treating your infection uti and if you literally google treating your infection uti is a really good leaflet and how i'm using this now if i have a patient in with me i will share it with them but i don't know about you lots of um, msus get dumped at the front desk with reception yeah. and often you know one or two line they've got frequency and pain when they're peeing and it's not settling so i will issue my prescription for nitrofurantone and i'll also give them that leaflet mm. or a link to that leaflet we use the accurate system to send text reminders yeah. just to get on and educate them mm-hmm. because the next thing we might start tackling is utis over 50 percent of antibiotics are deemed unnecessary for query utis as well interesting yeah. yeah so this treating your infection uti leaflet it's really useful so many handy resources in this talk yeah Yeah, as i say as a jobbing gp as i say i get paid to go and spend time to look at these things i've just tried to sift out the bottom line and my my bottom line would be kind of take home points or what next prioritize optimizing antibiotic prescribing make it an issue for everyone in the team consider an antibiotic champion get an action plan do some audits and copying the when should i worry audit really simple really easy and just gives you a ballpark idea of what's going on making antibiotic guidance available to all that's why we've got the two-page leaflet um, and share the leaflets and as i say my favorite of the zillions of leaflets out there are when should i worry the target and the treating your infection uti and that's it amazing thank you so much yeah Yeah. there's lots of useful nuggets in that definitely Um, yes, that's a lovely talk from Dr. Anya Lever. Um, what did you take away, do you think, Sarah? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Everything that she said was so useful and I, I can't wait to get the When Should I Worry leaflets again. Yeah. Um, I did have them when I was training. Um, they were just available and on the desks and things. And I have, like, since I've been in practice the last year, I don't think I've printed any out. And and I never really used them to actually go through with people. So Yeah, I think I'll, that's a useful piece to do, not to just give them at the end. Yeah. to use it as part of your consultation yeah so and then i really liked her sort of golden nuggets about kind of useful bits to say about antibiotic prescribing you know that the problems with resistance and sharing that worries with patients and sort of the links to obesity and allergy because of the changing your gut flora and that they make you more susceptible to resistant infections that was really interesting Yeah. yeah what about you i've come across the target um leaflet before and i hadn't realized that's what it was and we used to have it on our desks as well when i was training um yeah and again that was really useful at the time because you could give it and i think it is that feeling of people have come to see you they've got a problem and you kind of want to give that or they feel like they want to take something away so having that bit of paper that you can kind of give them yeah feels better at the end of the consultation yeah um so i think i'm gonna have to look at that again yeah because you've got the reassurance but you've also got like i was talking about sort of clinician worry and Mm -hmm. that's not come from nowhere there are worries about sepsis and but yeah knowledge is power and sort of knowing about the sort of numbers needed to treat to you know 
prevent um, serious complications exactly yeah. yeah i think you're right and um it's also really useful because in all of these resources they have the safety netting so yeah. you can give the verbal safety netting but it's really nice for patients to have that at home so actually if they are getting worse if they are starting to show signs of sepsis yeah. they'll be able to look at that and know to get help help again yeah lovely um, and i think also the stuff around um specific antibiotic use so the comoxiclav and how resistance is developing to Scary. that yeah. yeah um and also the use of the pivmenicillin and how that is actually available now in greater manchester and that we should be using it more yeah yeah that was really good to go over exactly brilliant um so yes you can get in touch with us um as we've said every time in lots of different ways um you can email us on our um, email address at primarycarepodcasts at gmail.com um, we're also on twitter and um we're very grateful to get any of your comments on there mm-hmm. and our handle is at pckb podcast we have a survey as well that we really enjoy when people fill out yeah. <laughs> um it's um, a survey monkey link in the episode description so till next time on primary knowledge boost hey guys just a friendly reminder that these podcasts are for healthcare professional education and shouldn't be used for medical advice by the general public they were recorded in greater manchester in 2019 guidelines can vary by location as well as over time so always check for up-to-date local and national guidelines before making treatment decisions Uh, the content is based on our interviewee's opinion and interpretation of current best practice it's your responsibility to use your clinical judgment before applying or relying on information solely from this podcast check out the episode description for full details and any links that we've mentioned in the episode